Monarchs, Prime Ministers, Ambassadors, General Staffs, etc., etc. All of them were responsible then, to some degree or other. About 1939 there can, or rather ought to be, no such question. One man, Hitler, started that war. The responsibilities of other people and of other governments in 1939 were, at worst, those of omission, not of commission. Yet Hitler was not happy when two days after his army crashed into Poland, the British and French governments, even though reluctantly, declared war against his German Reich. He hoped that in the last minute they would relent, as they had relented a year before at Munich, especially now when Stalin's Soviet Union had moved to his side and made a pact with him. But the British and the French declarations of war came, nevertheless, even though, as soon appeared, they were unready to fight with full force. But the main reason why he chose to invade Poland and risk a war was this. He thought that the relations and the contests of states, armies, nations were like those of individuals. Was he entirely wrong? Proust, in a fragment, 1915, the life of nations merely repeats, on a larger scale, the lives of their component cells, and he who is incapable of understanding the mystery, the reactions, the laws that determine the movements of the individual can never hope to say anything worthwhile listening to about the struggles of nations. Before 1933, Hitler was certain that he would, well nigh inevitably, arrive to power in Germany. Before 1940, he believed that his Germany may dominate Europe. In May 1940, he had reason to believe that. He was not alone in thinking this. Hitler's Germans, wrote Robert Boothby, a Churchillian, a few months before, represented the incredible conception of a movement, young, virile, dynamic, and violent, which is advancing irresistibly to overthrow a decaying old world that we must continually bear in mind, for it is the main source of the Nazi strength and power. Germany Turns the Clock Back was the title of a best-selling and well-written book about Hitler and Germany by Edgar Maurer an intelligent American journalist. But the opposite was true. Hitler had moved the clock forward. Germany was modern. Her industry, her army, her air force were more modern than those of their opponents. The Third Reich was more modern than Poland, Denmark, Norway, Holland, Belgium, France, than Britain, its victims and adversaries. So was the ideology of National Socialism more modern than Liberalism, Parliamentarism, Marxism. The new Reich, more modern than the ramshackle republics and the remnant constitutional monarchies of Europe. National Socialist Germany was, it surely seemed, an incarnation of a wave, perhaps the wave, of the future. Millions of people in Europe thought that, or at least something like that. And in May and June in 1940, many more millions came to think that too. Some of this was opportunism, an amazed reaction to the stunning successes of the German army. But there was more to it, too. Evidences of this, including the inclinations and expressions of many thinkers and writers and artists in many countries of Europe, would fill a 1,000-page book. These were accumulating all through May, June, July in 1940. After all, there were three great prototypes of political standards and states before 1940. Parliamentary democracy incarnated by the English-speaking nations and most states of Western Europe. Communism, represented by the Soviet Union, and nationalist dictatorships, of which the prime incarnation was National Socialist Germany. In 1940, 
as also for some years before, and then for some years thereafter, National Socialist Germany was the strongest of the three. We know, and often forget, that eventually it took the combined forces of the United States, Soviet Russia, and Great Britain to defeat and conquer it, and that even the alliance of any two of them was insufficient for that. But that is not the subject of this book, which is one particular sentence said by one particular man on the 13th of May in 1940, a man who, oddly, perhaps uniquely and providentially, understood Hitler. It is noteworthy that they had never met. In 1932, Hitler, who at that time was eager and willing to meet all kinds of Englishmen, oddly refused to meet Churchill. In 1937, it was Churchill who thought it best not to visit Germany and meet Hitler. 13th of May, 1940, was Whit Monday.